Welcome to Pursuing Biblical Masculinity, a podcast where we explore God's Word to uncover the disciplines that we need to live out our faith. Our heart's not to just help men know Scripture, but to put it into practice so that they can stand firm in their faith. So whether you're a longtime believer just looking to grow deeper in your faith, or a new believer looking for a foundation of biblical truths, you're in the right place. In these weekly episodes, we look at practical ways to apply the truths of the Bible to ourselves, our relationships, and our work. So we're continuing this discussion on the idea of leadership, and specifically biblical leadership. And as you know, I believe that every single man is called to lead in one way or another. Uh, Whether we're leading in our our own personal lives, or whether we're leading in our homes, our work, or uh, in some other capacity. And as we've talked about what leadership is and some of the things that make up leaders, uh, today we're going to talk about the characteristics of great leaders. Now there's a difference between a good leader and a great leader. Just take a moment and think about great leaders of history. Who comes to mind? For for many in, in the U.S., it may be people like George Washington or Thomas Jefferson, the people of, of the revolution, right, who stood up. We can also look at church history, right? We've got people like Calvin and Luther and St. Augustine. There's also great men in business, right? People who, who built these great businesses that transformed the world uh, and history as we know it. Now, there's so many of these different type of leaders, and many of them have statues erected across the globe to show us what is possible. But as leaders, and more importantly as Christian leaders, okay leadership, or even just good enough leadership, is not okay. We are called to follow God's model of leadership and to live out that leadership as worship to the Lord. It says in Colossians 3, 23 through 24, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So what makes a leader great then? Like how how do we how do we live up to this expectation that seems impossible to do? Well, first, it's only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, but second, once we know that, we need to begin to apply the truths of the Bible to our lives. That's why the Lord gave us the Bible, so that we can use it as a manual for our life. It's not just an old book that has nice sayings. It literally is the truth of God's word, the things that we need to carry out a life that is honoring and pleasing to God. So what makes a leader great? What sets them apart from the rest of the pack? Well, one thing for sure is that a great leader has nothing to do with the size of your following. There are great leaders we know that we've heard of, and there are plenty more great leaders that we don't. But all great leaders share in these three mandates. First, unwavering commitment to the mission. Second, a desire to humbly serve those they lead. And third, they intentionally develop new leaders. So let's talk about the first mandate. They have an unwavering commitment to the mission. When a leader gives no direction, the people that are following that leader, uh, they'll, they'll perish is what the Bible says. You can read that in Proverbs 29, 18. I mean, just for a moment, think about a time where you worked with somebody who was in charge maybe of a project or a business and they didn't have a clear vision or mission and they didn't have a clear destination and they really weren't invested in, in the end results with, with passion. The, the project you work on was probably a miserable endeavor and the results you got were, were poor at best. You see, leaders have a duty to lay out a clear vision and be the example what it looks like to pursue that outcome with excellence. It's not enough just to lay down the vision. You have to be the example. You have to be the model of what it looks like 
as you achieve that mission. This means you've got to keep the main thing the main thing. You've got to be very, very clear on what you're going after. And as Christian leaders, we must keep Christ at the center of all we do, whether that's in your home, your church, your business, in your personal life. It says in the book of Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So whether you're leading a corporation or a home, you have to seek the kingdom of God first. In this section of Matthew, Jesus is talking about worry. He's talking about how we often worry about things that honestly don't matter too much, right? He talks about worrying about what we're gonna eat or what we're going to wear and how these things often distract us from what's important, the kingdom of God, advancing the kingdom of God. It's easy to allow today's problems to become urgent and distract us from the mission. But great leaders know how to prioritize and eliminate distractions so that they can lead others to stay committed to the mission. When we allow urgent worries to distract us, the message itself can lose integrity. It sends mixed messages, right? People don't really know what they should be doing. But a great leader ensures that that message remains pure. In order to be committed to something, it's got to stay the same. You've got to stay focused on it, right? And Paul's letter to the Galatians, we see him calling out the church there and its leaders for turning to a different gospel. That's in Galatians 1.6. He saw that, hey, there's something going on here. The message is getting mixed up a little bit. And as a result, there's a lot of calamity going on. See, Paul knew that if the message was corrupted, the results would be disastrous for the people of Galatia. And he had the courage to fight for integrity of that message so that God would be glorified, not just in Galatia, but beyond. So like Paul, great leaders, they have unwavering commitment to the mission, and they make sure that they pursue that with excellence so that they are a great model of what it looks like for those that they lead. Now, when it comes to leading, it brings us to the second point, that great leaders serve those they lead. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, it says this, Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever must be first among you must be your slave. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the perfect model of leadership. Jesus is the perfect model of leadership, and he came not to be served, but to serve. If we look at the model of leadership we promote today, whether it's in the corporate world or a lot of times, unfortunately, in the church world, we honestly follow that Gentile example that Jesus says. We lord it over people. We excess authority over those we lead. Now, as a leader, you do have authority. You do carry a different weight. But Jesus is very clear. It says, it shall not be so among you, which means you should not do this. And this isn't just like an idea from an apostle. This is coming from the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we really have to take a look at our leadership model. We have to take a look at how we lead those we have been called to lead. And can we honestly say that we're serving those we lead? Or are we seeking to be served and exalted? Sadly, our culture has a very low view on serving. But as Christian leaders, we must look for opportunities to serve those we lead. We have to seek after ways to serve people because it should 
be something that not only Jesus called us to do, but we do it out of glory to God because we love the Lord. It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2-4, through 4, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So we do have authority, right? To, to have some oversight, to make sure things are going well, make sure that the we're not losing the mission. It says, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those you are in charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. We lead through serving. We are following what God has commanded us to do And we do it willingly. We do it joyfully. We do it as an example, not domineering over them, but doing it out of worship to God. And when we do that, we find great joy, not just here, but also in eternity. We will be rewarded for doing it the way that God has called us to do. The Bible is very clear on how we are to lead and how we are to lead from a posture of being a servant. Now, I want to make something very clear. While great leaders serve, they also take time to serve their own needs. It's not selfish to take care of yourself. This means you have to take time uh, to build yourself up, make time that you're having your needs met so that you can serve from an overflow. You're not able to give to those you are to serve if you don't have it. So it's important that leaders not only apply these characteristics to those they, they serve, but also to themselves because you cannot serve if you're burned out. The third mandate is that great leaders multiply. We've mentioned this book a few times, and I highly recommend you pick this book up if you're in Christian leadership. Uh, It's called 3D Leadership, and it's by Dr. Harry Reader. And he says that great leaders don't leave behind a vacuum waiting to be filled by the devil's counterfeits, but they work at multiplying qualified replacements who are ready to expand the kingdom of God throughout the world. How many great countries, companies, sports teams, churches, Homes have fallen apart after a good leader either moves on or or passes away. You see, great leaders are committed to the mission. They know that in order to achieve that mission, they have to raise up new leaders for when their time is done. Great leaders attract, they develop, and they equip the next generation of leaders. They don't lead, as Harry Reader says, a vacuum to be filled by something else. Now, many of us here in in the United States, we can look at the state of our country and the state of the church here, and many of us may be going, what happened? Now, I believe a large portion of what we're experiencing now is the result of the previous generation not raising up new leaders, not having great leaders who multiplied themselves. Now, we can sit back and complain about this, and I did for quite a long time, to be honest, or we can, as men, stand up and do something about it and begin to change the trajectory and begin to multiply great leaders here and now so that they can carry on the mission of God and to do the things that we've called to do, to give them a clear vision, to show them what servant leadership looks like and show them how to multiply themselves so we don't end up in this state again. The Bible, like I said, is very clear on what we're supposed to do if we would only read it and apply it to our lives. I mean, there's so many examples of of multiplication of leadership. Moses multiplied himself through Joshua and Caleb. Elijah multiplied himself through Elisha. Jesus, he had the 70 that followed him, and then he had the 12 that followed him, and he had the three that were part of his inner circle. Jesus did it in a number of different ways. Uh, Barnabas fed into Paul. Paul fed into Timothy and Titus and so many more. 
multiplying leaders is a mandate of great leaders. If you want to be a great leader, you want to lead the way that God has called all of us men to lead, you have to multiply yourself. All right, so let's talk about it. How can we apply this to our lives? Well, question one, who are some men in your life that you consider to be great leaders? And how did they live out these three mandates? Number two, what externals are you allowing to distract you from your mission? What are those worries you're allowing to get in your way? And what can you do to get back on track? Number three, how can you better serve yourself so that you can better serve those you lead? And number four, what can you do today to start multiplying leaders out of those you lead? It's important that you take time in your week and devote time to taking action, to making sure that you're following through on the things you say you want to do. Now, I know uh, from personal experience that oftentimes it's hard to do alone. We're not meant to do life alone. We're meant to work alongside one another and build up each other. And that's what coaching is all about. If you're interested in finding ways that you can actually live these out by walking alongside of a coach, please sign up for a discovery session. I'd love to sit down and talk with you and share with you the power of coaching uh, and how you can leverage it to get the results, to step up, to make uh, sure that you're leading the way that God has called you to lead. Thanks again so much for listening to this episode. In the next episode, we're going to be looking specifically at the greatest model of biblical leadership, and that's the life of Jesus, and how we can apply the things in the Gospels, the way that he led to our lives as well. 